All right, we are live. Hey there, everyone. This is Clay. Welcome to 2020. Welcome to a new decade here. Um, we are, of course, live. This is Clay from ModernLove.Life, where we help you get the great loving relationship that you're looking for without having to play mind games, without having to play hard to get, and without having to pretend to be someone or something that you are not. Because I believe that you deserve to be loved for the person that you are. And if you agree with me, do me a favor by giving this channel a thumbs up, giving this video a thumbs up rather, and subscribing to this channel if you're not already. Okay, so it's a new year. Um, hope you had a great new year. Hope you had a great holiday season and all of that. Um, you know, I'm kind of grateful that the holiday season is over. It's been kind of weird, you know? Uh, Christmas and New Year's were like right in the middle of the week and so, it's been kind of a weird dynamic, you know, I get to work like a day or two and then I have to take a day off and then I have to work another day or two and then I take a couple days off and then like the whole thing just keeps going. And so it's like I'm just kind of trying to keep my head above water. Um, but but I'm really glad that all that's over. Now I can finally get some some good continuous work in. Um, but, you know, I want to take a check in with you and just to kind of look back at how the holiday season unfolded for you. Now, we did have the whole holiday expectation effect um, that is largely over now at this point. We may have just a few little, you know, fumes of that left as, you know, some people may still be planning out their resolutions and all of that stuff for the new year, you know, if they do that. Um, hello there. It looks like we have a couple people pouring into the room here. Um, so cool. I'll keep talking and we'll get to some questions later if we have time. Um, oh, Bulgaria, that's cool. I'm not sure if I've ever had somebody tune in from Bulgaria, but welcome. Um, but anyway, you know, now that we are back into kind of the normal rhythm of life, um, I want you to know that we're in a little bit of a short reprieve from that. I know it may not seem like it. I know it probably seems really far away from now. But there is something else coming up that's going to make things a little bit weird um, over the next few weeks. And that is, of course, Valentine's Day. Um, you know, I've been helping people with relationships for long enough to know that there are really two times of the year that things get kind of weird. The first one is, you know, about a month or so leading up into uh, Christmas and the holidays. And then, of course, there is about two weeks or so prior to Valentine's Day, the first two weeks of February. Um, you have a little bit of a reprieve here in January. But then things start to get a little bit strange around Valentine's Day and you end up with a similar dynamic to that that you may have experienced with the holiday expectation effect. It's a little bit different because Valentine's Day has more of like a romantic meaning to it, um, but it still has kind of that like sort of polarizing effect where if there is a predominantly negative emotional state towards you, um, you know, somebody will be more inclined to push you away because they'll um, see you in, in a romantic sort of lens and they'll be like, no, I don't want that in my life. Whereas if somebody has a predominantly positive experience towards you romantically, they're much more likely to pull towards you uh, during that period of time, okay? So, I mean, like, what does this mean? Well, lots of people are saying hello. So, um, yeah, hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> don't usually get that many hellos. Um, but anyway, so Valentine's Day is coming up and we want to take everything that happens during those 
two weeks in February, those first two weeks in February, with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, this sort of anomaly in how people relate to one another will last for approximately two weeks, so much smaller window there. Um, so, so what you want to do is to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I think that most of you have the willpower and all of that to at least, you know, wait it out if you kind of get stuck on the wrong side of that, um, that, that dynamic going into February. So, you know, if you need to do that, um, that's not to say that's your only potential move, but, um, you know, you, you can definitely do things during the month of January to rebuild a connection if you need to do that or to put yourself in the proper place for whatever your love life outcome, relationship outcome might look like. And by all means, go ahead and do that. But if you're in the wrong side of that um, around, you know, the beginning of February, know that things might get a little bit weird, know that things might be a little bit strange. And if, it, if you need to, you know, you may want to consider just waiting it out. Um, we'll, of course, make more videos and content about this as we get closer to February, but I just want you to know that that's something that's on the horizon, okay? That's something that you may experience in the not-so-distant future. Um, with that being said, you know, we are, for the most part, aside from the blip in February, we are, for the most part, back to the normal sort of way that people interact with one another. Um, and aside from the blip in February, we will stay at this kind of way of being until we hit the holiday season um, at the end of this year. So, you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief for the most part that all of the holiday expectation effects and the sort of extreme emotional responses that can sometimes come from those um, are mostly resolved. Again, aside from that February thing, we're just going to have to get through that, see how that goes, and um, get through the other side of it and do whatever we need to do. But, you know, if you're on the positive side of things during February, also it's not a time to rest on your laurels either. I don't know what laurels are. I don't know why people would rest on them. But um, it's not a time for you to just kind of rest passively and just think, okay, great, we're coming together. Things are going wonderfully. Um, I can just, you know, sit back and, and soak it all in. You know, by all means, enjoy it. But just know that many times that closeness and connection that people sometimes feel during the Valentine's Day, you know, window of time, it's not necessarily organic and it's not necessarily um, the kind of dynamic that's going to last after Valentine's Day comes and passes. Um, after Valentine's Day comes and passes, the degree of connection will start to sink back down to whatever it may have been originally. And, um, you know, if it, it was if it was a high degree of connection, a high organic degree of connection, then, you know, hey, great, you know, that means that you'll have probably a pretty reasonably good relationship moving forward into, you know, the, the latter half of February, March, April, all that stuff. Um, on the other hand, you know, if if it was just kind of the the spirit of Valentine's Day that was bringing you together, then, you know, know that that as the tide goes out, so to speak, as we move out of Valentine's Day, you may start to experience some challenges, some difficulties. And, you know, it's, it's common for people to oftentimes break up after Valentine's Day. First of all, a lot of people who are in 
not so great relationships, you know, they don't want to break up before Valentine's Day, right before Valentine's Day, because nobody wants to be the jerk who dumps somebody right before Valentine's Day. Nobody wants to do that. And so they often kind of white knuckle it through the Valentine's Day season. You know, maybe they're genuinely hoping that things improve or get better, but they're kind of white knuckling it through that. Um, or maybe they're just kind of biding their time until, you know, February 15th. Um, but, but either way, there's sort of like a, a sort of pullback, a sort of suppression of the normal um, way that people feel in relationships and resolve relationships and have conflicts in relationships and so on that kind of gets released after Valentine's Day. So it is common for there to be a lot of relationship issues that come to light following Valentine's Day. So just know that that's all coming up. Um, and again, we will talk about this more as Valentine's Day gets closer. But you know, for now, <laughs> do a victory lap. Uh, holidays are over. Holiday expectation effect is over. Um, and we are at least probably for the re remainder of this month, at least, uh, at least for most people, um, we're back to a, kind of a normal dynamic. So just be for the most part grateful for that because it makes things a little bit easier. Anyway, once again, this is Clay with ModernLove.Life. If you like what we're doing, hit that thumbs up button. I see that only two of you have done that so far, so please hit that thumbs up button um, and go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you like what we're doing here. And let's go ahead and get into some questions. All right, great. A couple more of you hit that like button. Thank you so much. Um, okay, let's see what folks are talking about. Um, Jason says, really glad that Christmas is over. I feel lighter in heart and feeling stronger and happier. Thanks for your efforts. Valentine's Day, not even on my radar and uh, determined to mitigate its effects. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that Valentine's Day is only like six weeks away, but that's, you know, kind of where it is. You know, it, it doesn't seem psychologically like it's really close to, you know, Christmas and New Year's, but it kind of is. Um, I think we're all just kind of breathing a sigh of relief from from all the stuff that, that the holidays bring, whether that's, you know, relationship stuff or just like general family holiday stress or whatever. Um, anyway, let's see what else are folks talking about? Where did I leave off? Okay, there we go. Um, how does it go if she goes from rebound to rebound to rebound? Well, then it means that she's likely emotionally unavailable and she is trying to seek validation from being in a relationship. The idea of being in a relationship or the idea of getting um, some sort of approval or something from, um, I'm, I'm guessing this is a heterosexual relationship. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a guy, so I'm guessing she's probably dating men. So you know, she's probably trying to get um, validation from men or just validation for being in a relationship or emotionally unavailable and unable or unwilling to actually look at her own emotions, what she wants and all that stuff. Um, so that's that that could be where she's at right now. Um, you know, again, we made an entire playlist on the topic of emotional unavailability. Uh, you might want to check that out there. There's also a playlist on um, rebound relationships. You can check that out up there as well, too. Um, in the in the playback of this video, I'd recommend you check both of them out because we kind of talked a lot about the psychology of emotional unavailability and the emotion and the psychology of rebound relationships and how they can sometimes overlap. But I would suggest uh, checking those out. Um, let's see, what does that say? Desi. Desi says, 
I'm doing no contact at the moment. It's been 30 days and he is going to a psychic woman we normally go to when we have problems. So is this a sign that he that the no contact is working? Well, I don't know. It, it just depends on what might be inspiring him to go to see this psychic. Um, you know, it could potentially be something to do with the relationship with you, absolutely. Um, and it also could be due to perhaps something else in his life. Now, you know, I also want to mention that I don't kind of t teach and advocate no contact, maybe the way that you may be referring to it, where it's just something that you do, you know, you cut contact with somebody, and then you just sort of white knuckle it through it and then hope and pray that somehow it works and, you know, works. And then either he cracks under the pressure and contacts you or, you know, something like that. But no contact can sometimes work that way because there are two things that can help to soften somebody's emotional resistance towards you. Number one is the passage of time, which is why that sort of passive no contact can be helpful. But additionally, um, there... That, that's not enough for a lot of people. And I don't want you to just, you know, be cutting contact for the sake of, you know, hoping and praying that it all works out that way. Um, and then it doesn't. So I really advocate that people set themselves up for success by, you know, doing no contact. If their situation seems like it would benefit from that, um, you don't always need to do no contact, but doing it if it, if it seems like your situation would benefit from it. And then not just passively, waiting for the 30 days to pass or however long it is, but by actively engaging yourself in activities that are going to helpfully, hopefully um, allow you to have a stronger emotional connection, a stronger bond, ability to bring more of yourself, more of your presence, more of your empathy, more of your acceptance, more of your composure to your interactions so that interacting with you is not the same as it was prior to no contact so that when you get back in contact, your ex doesn't see this as like, oh, you're the same person that I stopped talking to a month ago or, or however long ago it was, but they can see that this is an entirely different dynamic at play. Because if they see that this is the same dynamic as it was before, that is not very inspiring for them to stay in contact with you. Can it work? Sure. Sometimes time apart can allow them to miss you. Sometimes time apart can make them value you. Sometimes time apart can make them, um, you know, let go of the pain or hurt they may still be holding on to. But if they're still getting the sense that they're walking back into the same relationship that they walked out of in the first place, then they're, they're not going to be very excited or inspired to actually get back together with you. So you want to really show them something different, which is why I advocate active no contact instead of passive no contact. It really sets yourself up for success and allows you to have the best kind of um, potential ability to connect with somebody uh, after you restore contact with them. So I hope that helps you out. Um, I did see that we have a super chat. Where did that go? There it is, okay. It's from, from our friend Cornell, all right. Good to hear from you, man. Um, is it okay to email you again? I would like to do another call to discuss my situation again and potentially signing up for the coaching program if need be. Um, yeah, man, we, we, we had a conversation, uh, I think it was last week. I don't know, I'm getting all the days mixed up these days with the holidays, but um, yeah, just go ahead and send me an email and we can talk about what we need to talk about. We'll, we'll hash out the details. Um, I can't promise I'll get to it today because I have a lot going on today, but I'll, I'll definitely be able to get to it next week. 
Um, but yeah, thanks again, thanks again for the super chat, buddy. Um, okay, where do we leave off? Okay, where do we go? Where do we go? Okay. Wow, lots of comments here. Okay, that's where we left off. Okay, uh, Jason, who we read the comment from a moment ago, who you know is is feeling relieved that Christmas is over, says uh, that he is seeing his ex in a better, kinder light, which has also helped. It's taken twenty two months to get to this point. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what you did as the result uh, in order to get you there, but um, you know, if if you're able to see your ex with more compassion and more humanity, then you know, absolutely, what you're doing is working. Um, one of the problems that I see with a lot of people is that they can sometimes forget that their ex is a human being. Either they think of their ex as you know, either the cause of all of their suffering or the potential gatekeeper to all of their happiness or something like that. And so they can either, you know, put their ex up on a pedestal, which is, you know, bad for many, many, many reasons um, that we can get into some other time. Or they may, you know, start to have this sort of bitter or cynical view of their ex. And they, you know, start to, you know, wish harm on their ex, wish the worst for them to happen, you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. And that's neither one of those are a great dynamic to get into. Sure, kind of Having that cynical, bitter view of your ex can sometimes feel empowering, but it actually um, is not good for you. Let's just put it that way. We can talk about that in another video. Um, anyway, so what you're doing is working. Uh, keep it up. I'd like to see you make quicker results than than 22 months, um, but you know what you're doing is working, and slow is better than nothing at all. Um, that is an interesting name. Um, oops. Um, Kavari says, my ex dumped me after being there for her through her dysfunctional family twice and loving and supporting her through getting her first job and everything. She said, I, she said, I ended up being clingy. I honestly became that way after the way I see how everyone treated her and the nights she is on the phone with me crying. Father's Day last year was the day that she called me begging for help after dumping me, saying that her father is attacking her. Now uh, she blocks me on WhatsApp and says that I'm clingy. Um, I made breakfast in bed in the morning, walking miles from my home to her home to help clean her house and to talk to her and hug her for comfort, buy her gifts and everything, a boyfriend um, would do and more, yet I still am dumped. Um, that appears to be the last message that you left. So, um, first of all, I, I'm sensing that there might be a little bit of that, um, resentment kind of building there for you. Now, sure, you care for her, you have compassion for her, but there's like also a part of you I'm sensing that is saying, okay, I'm doing all of these things. I'm doing all of these favors for you. I'm helping you in all of these way, all of these different ways, and I'm not getting anything back. And that can be really problematic. Um, it's what is called a covert contract. The term covert contract was uh, first introduced by a psychologist named Dr. Robert Glover. Um, he actually used to live in Seattle where I live uh, right now. Um, 
I don't know, maybe he still lives here, but I, I believe he permanently relocated to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. But anyway, um, he used to live here in Seattle. Um, and I actually was part of his men's group many, 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 many years ago. Um, and it really helped me a lot, actually. Um, but a, a covert contract is a sort of implicit agreement, unspoken agreement that you make between yourself and somebody else. The other person doesn't know that this agreement exists. And it usually says something like, hey, if I do a lot of favors for you, then I expect you to blank, fall in love with me, give me another shot, get back together with me, whatever. Um, and so it's a really ineffective strategy for a lot of people because they will end up doing a lot of these things to hold up their side of the bargain, whatever this unspoken agreement is. They'll end up giving, they'll end up doing favors, they'll end up comforting, they'll end up uh, doing other sorts of acts of service or whatever. And they don't get their side of the deal, the perceived um, reward that they should be getting for doing their, their half. And so what happens is a certain degree of resentment can build up over time. And um, at least with, with nice guys, uh, that's what Dr. Robert Glover's uh, specialty is. You know, he wrote a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, but at least with nice guys, they, they let this sort of resentment build up over time to the point where it reaches a sort of boiling point and they kind of explode in what Robert Glover would refer to as a victim puke where they, you know, just kind of throw a temper tantrum and blame everyone in the world for, for you know, not being fair to them or whatever. Um, and this is sort of a cathartic release of all of that built up hostility and anger and resentment. And, um, you know, the, the covert contract, number one, it's a very poor way of getting your own needs met because, you know, you're just kind of doing something and assuming that somebody else is going to um, hold up the other sort of side of that unspoken agreement. Again, if it was a if it was a spoken, verbally agreed to sort of arrangement, hey, that's a different story. But oftentimes it's just in our own minds. And so it's a really poor way of getting your own needs met. Um, and second of all, it's it, it also has like this sort of like transactional value to our interactions and our relationships. And sure, to a certain degree, we do have relationships and, um, and interactions with other people that have a certain transactional element to them. But if that is all your relationships are built on, then there could be some challenges ahead. Let's just put it that way. Um, and also, it, it, can, it can feel really weird to be on the receiving end of that. You know, it can, it can often tilt the scales of balance in a social dynamic so that they're way out of balance, making you seem very, very, very over-invested and them seem very, very, very under-invested. I mean, I, I guess it should be this way, but, you know, when you're over-invested, you have a lot of weight, so it kind of pushes the other side up, but whatever. Either, either way, you're over-invested, they're under-invested, um, and so that can be a really difficult place to be because um, because it weirds people out when the the social dynamics are too out of whack when it seems like you know you're, you're investing very little and somebody else is investing a lot it can seem kind of weird it can often come across as clingy as it seems like your ex is is telling you so um, um, that's definitely something that could come about from that um, so I would really work on um, <clears throat> looking at what these covert contracts might be in your situation, looking at the unspoken agreements that you have in your own mind in this sort of situation, 
and really understanding what those might be and why you believe those kinds of covert contracts, why you believe those sorts of implicit agreements are in place. You know, is it because you feel uncomfortable asking for you what, what you want directly? Is it because you have um, issues or hangups around expressing desire around um, anything like that? You have some sort of shame or guilt associated with actually expressing desire or actually expressing needs. Is there a certain unconscious part of you that believes that there's something wrong with having needs and that you should be needless and that you should be able to take care of other people or something like that? Um, so, you know, this is kind of a big can of worms here and <laughs> maybe we didn't intend to go down this road uh, just from posting a couple of uh, comments here on a live stream, but um, I think there's definitely something there to look at. And then, of course, I would also look at uh, having the courage, having the, the composure to actually reach through any discomfort, anxiety, shame, guilt, anything like that that you may feel, and to start actually asking for what you want directly. I think that could really help you out there. Okay, we're... Where did we leave off? Okay, a lot of comments here. Got to scroll back through these to find out where we left off. Give me a moment here, guys. Okay. Um, Indigo Child says, my ex might be over me. Is there any way to get her back? Okay, so you actually want your ex to be over you. You actually want this to happen. Because if your ex is not over you, that means that they're still hung up on the breakup. That means that they're still hung up in all of the emotions, the pain, the heartache, and all of that stuff that comes as the result of the breakup. And if they are not over you and the two of you are actually like, you know, getting back together or something, it means that they are not able to form an emotionally available connection with you. They're just kind of getting back to you because they don't want to be in pain from the breakup. They're tired of being in heartbreak. They're tired of being alone or whatever. And that's not a great place to have a relationship from. Ideally, it would be nice to have a relationship where you come together um, both intentionally, both of you intentionally, um, because you actually want to be with each other, not because you're tired of being alone or because you're in emotional pain or something like that, but because you are actually able to work through what didn't work in the relationship. You can let go of the pain, you can let go of the hurt, you can work through the heartbreak and all of that, and you're actually able to communicate with one another in a um, more open, expressive, emotionally available sort of way because you're over the breakup, you're over the pain and you're over the heartbreak. Um, and when this happens, you're actually able to come together and form a much more intentional, much better, much more healthy connection with one another. You know, kind of like when you did when you first started dating. You know, neither one of you were probably, ideally at least, um, really desperate and trying to get validation from each other or um, really, you know, looking to, to tick that relationship box. You are probably just curious about who this person was that you started dating. You just wanted to meet them, get to know them. The more you got to know them, the more you liked them, the more you liked them, the more time you wanted to spend with each other, the more time you spent with one another, the more it started to make sense that you, you know, might want to get into a relationship with one another. And then of course you got into a relationship, but you had this sort of slow building organic connection. And that was because neither one of you came in with this sort of um, baggage trying to get out of pain or get out of um, any sort of heartbreak or something like that. Otherwise, you know, it would have been a rebound relationship, which we talked about earlier. Um, so I would really, I would really actually let it be okay that your ex is over you and I'd work on being over your ex as well. 
That way, you know, when you go through the self-assessment that you may need to do in order to say, hey, is this the kind of relationship that I want? Is this the kind of relationship that's good for me? Um, you can say yes, and it's not just a, a sort of reaction to the past. It's not just, yeah, I want to get back together with my ex because I feel bad, because I feel heartbroken or something. But it's like, I want to get back together with my ex because I know that we can have a high-quality relationship with one another. I know that they meet what I'm looking for in a partner, and I know that they don't have the qualities that I don't want in a partner, and I can intentionally say, yes, this is the right relationship for me. So anyway, I hope that helps you out, Indigo Child. Um, I think we have time for maybe one or two more questions. Let's see what folks are talking about. Lots of comments, guys. Thanks so much for the comments. Um, okay, that was a deleted message. Don't know what it says. Um, Hi, Clay. My ex broke up with me almost two months ago and we dated for seven months. She is dating a friend now that is very similar to me. I did not text her for Christmas or New Year's. Any advice? Sounds like she's in a rebound relationship. Sounds like there's psychological displacement going on. And um, if you are emotionally ready to be in contact with her, then you know you could do that. If you're not emotionally ready to be in contact with her, then you know you don't need to do that. Um, you know, people are often really quick to you know tell me a lot of the external details of their situation, and sure, those are definitely important. But, um, you know, you also want to think about where you're at. You know, are you in, like, damage control mode? If you are, probably not a good idea to be in contact with your ex. And it's probably better to stay out of contact with your ex and work through that so that you can be in a better place where you're not in damage control mode anymore. Um, if you are actually already in a good place um, and you have done a lot of that work, like we talked about earlier, uh, to get over the breakup, and you're ready to be in contact with your ex to discover who that person is, to discover how you might be able to connect with one another, then being in contact could be a very good idea and it could make a lot of sense. Um, but you want to think about where you're at and you want to be honest with yourself too. I know some people are really eager and really excited to restore contact with their ex or with somebody else, um, but you also want to be honest with yourself too. And if you're not ready for it, that's totally okay. Take as much time as you need um, it's only going to be better for you than if you try and rush this. You know, just like how if you were to like break a leg or a foot or something like that, um, you would want that to fully heal before you ever tried doing anything like going running. It doesn't matter how much you love running. It doesn't matter if you have a, a, a race or an event on a certain date or time. If you're not fully healed, then it's not a good idea to get out there and start running on that broken leg or foot or whatever. So make sure you put in the time to heal. Make sure you put in the time to be emotionally ready. And when that time comes, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with restoring contact and seeing what happens on the other side. But just from what you've described, it looks as if there may be some sort of uh, emotional unavailability or rebound sort of situation happening there. Um, of course, rebound relationships have a very, very, very poor track record for a lot of the reasons that we discussed in that um, you know, rebound relationship playlist that's up there in the info card. Um, but, but that's definitely not something that can't be worked around. It's just, it's just a thing that you have to navigate with. It's just what we call a bit of friction. You know, friction are, are basically just the things that come up that, that are, um, that can sometimes make the clear shot to reconciliation a little bit more difficult. It could look like a rebound relationship. It could look like emotional unavailability. It could look like, um, 
you know, somebody not willing to talk to you. It could look like somebody's sense of pride. It could look like a long distance sort of situation. It could look like all sorts of things. Um, but that's essentially what friction is. And, you know, most forms of friction we can navigate around, assuming we can actually put in the work and become the kind of person that we need to be to actually create that sort of connection. So anyway, um, oh, okay, we have a super chat here. Thank you very much. Um, what is your view on using voice texts to make contact in a tentative way? So, okay, here's the thing. We have what's called the hierarchy of communication. So the hierarchy of communication says that there are certain types of communication that are better for talking to people with and creating an emotional connection with, and there are certain types of communication that are worse for doing that with. Now, uh, probably lower on that hierarchy are things like text messaging, social media messaging, things like that. Higher up on that communication hierarchy would be things like email. Higher up than that would be things like a phone call. Higher up than that would be like a video call. Higher up than that would be um, meeting up in person. Um, and you know, so, so, there, so there's obviously different levels of this. And the more in person you can be, the better you can actually connect with somebody because of course you're there in person. You can like see their body language, their emotions on their face. You can hear the tone of their voice. So you know if they send something that it's a joke, they're meaning it in a, in a sarcastic sort of way or something, as opposed to meaning it seriously, which sometimes you can't tell the difference between when it's over text message. And so um, it's always best to try to strive for the highest point on that communication hierarchy that you can get. I know that oftentimes people will want to move towards the lower side of that hierarchy of communication because it can sometimes feel like it's safer or like there's less risk. You know, when it comes to texting, you have time to like think about what you're going to say. You have time to edit it. You have time to go back. If they send you a message, you have uh, some time to think about how you're going to respond and all that. So it can sometimes feel safer. But um, actually having an in-person communication where you actually have to react and say something in the moment, um, it helps you to create a stronger emotional connection and it helps you to actually uh, come together in a much more meaningful way. So I'm not opposed to sending a video message. Um, oh, you had a video message that you specifically said that you wanted to... Oh, no, wait, that was, you're somebody else. Okay, I'll get to your message in just a moment here. Um, <clears throat> but, um, um, yeah, I'm not opposed to sending a video message. So I think that absolutely could work, um, especially if you and your ex have, like, a history of doing that. Of course, you also need to take into consideration how they and how you in the past have kind of communicated a lot. If, if it's, like, coming out of nowhere, it can be a little bit weird. Um, but if it's, like, something that the two of you used to do frequently, then... Um, then it can totally make sense and it can definitely bring the two of you closer together. We did have another super chat from um, Kashif. Thank you very much for the two Singapore dollars. Uh, you wanted me to read your comment up above. Let me scan through these to see if I can find that. A lot of comments here today, guys. Thanks so much. By the way, if you haven't already, please hit that thumbs up button. It helps me a lot. It helps to tell YouTube that um, that more people should check out my channel. And it would really mean a lot to me if you like what we're doing here to share this video, hit that thumbs up button, and to 
help tell YouTube that they should show my videos to, to more people out there. Okay, I think I found Kashif's post here. Uh, Kashif says, Hey Clay, my ex has been talking to me after she broke up with me, but she keeps telling me that she doesn't want to be together. I told her to stop contacting me if that's the case. Uh, did I do the right thing? Then you continue and say that she was also dating somebody and wouldn't tell me about it. It was taking a toll on me. Um, then you say that she started dating the guy a few days after we broke up. She has been flaunting him on her Facebook. Meanwhile, she talks to me all the time. Is this normal? Maybe because he isn't around. And then I think that's the last of what you posted. Okay, so first and foremost, um, I would really strongly recommend against making like a an ultimatum sort of thing like that. You know, if you like saying if you're in a new relationship, then you know don't talk to me at all or something like that. Um, this sort of thing can can be very polarizing and um, polarizing in not a good way, especially if your ex is kind of confused about how the two of you fit into each other's lives. Now keep in mind your ex left you. Um, so that means that they're going to act in congruency with somebody who has broken up with you. That means if you put them on the spot and force them to decide when there isn't enough of a positive emotional connection between the two of you, they are going to choose to act consistently with their previous actions. So you put her on the spot, force her to decide, hey, either talk to me or you know, break up with this guy or whatever. And she doesn't know because she's confused. So she's gonna say, well, I did break up with you earlier, so maybe I should just not talk to you and stay with this guy. Um, again, there is a time and a place to apply pressure, but you have to make sure that the emotional connection between the two of you is strong first, okay? Because then you're leveraging that emotional connection to actually allow your ex to choose what they already want to do, which is to come closer together with you. Um, from the sounds of it, it seems like your ex is probably, I mean, if I had to guess, um, at like riding the dragon. And just because of that, you know, kind of using that that uh, ultimatum kind of thing to, to cause her to choose, hey, is it gonna be me or him? I'm guessing it probably did not have an excellent um, outcome. What I generally recommend people do in that sort of situation is um, to take the pressure off of trying to define what the two of you are and to say, hey, let's just be friends for the time being and reconnect and see where it goes from there because I'm not trying to force anything that's not there. I mean. If you think about it, you're probably not trying to force anything that's not there. It's not like you just want to tick the box of being in a relationship for the sake of being in a relationship. I'm guessing you want to be in a relationship because you think it's going to give you some kind of connection, some sort of closeness, some sort of um, bonding, some sort of great feelings. And if those feelings aren't there, then I don't think you would probably really want to be in that relationship. So remember, the connection comes first before the commitment, not the commitment and then the connection. Okay, keep that in mind. But additionally, you also want to look at yourself, too. Um, it seems like you are having a difficult time emotionally with the idea of her being in a relationship with somebody else. And so you, of course, need to turn your attention inward, work on that, look at what's going on with that. And if that really is kind of a deal breaker with her, then, you know, hey, maybe this isn't the right person for you to be in a relationship with. And uh, this isn't the right person for you to be in contact with. And this isn't the right person for you to, you know, consider trying to repair things with. But, you know, I would consider some of these things moving forward. Um, you know, 
allow yourselves to just rediscover who you are for one another and to have a connection with one another and to see how that unfolds um, without having the pressure of trying to define it. Also know that she is probably not in a good place right now to do like an ultimatum kind of thing. Uh, I would really recommend building up the positive connection between the two of you first before you even consider doing something like that. And then of course, I'd also consider looking at yourself and looking at your own emotional state and looking at, you know, hey, am I ready to be in contact with her? If you're not, that's totally okay. You can also do active no contact, work through some of these issues, work through getting over some of this pain and all of that, and then circle back to this once you feel better. That's totally, absolutely fine too. So I uh, hope that helps you out as well too. Okay, we have Gabi who is giving 899 PLN. I actually don't know what currency that is, but um, you say, can you read my message up above? All right, let's see if I can find that Gabi. Again, guys, please hit that thumbs up button. It, it makes my day. Um, oh, there it is. Oh, that looks like it's a continuation of something. So let's see if I can find an earlier comment. Okay, that is, okay. Okay, many comments here, okay. Um, is that the first one? I think that's the first one, okay. Um, if my ex thinks that we can only meet as friends from time to time and isn't willing to commit, should I stop contacting and wait until he changes his mind? I think that's a great uh, context to be meeting, especially as you're rediscovering who you are for one another. I mean, he doesn't know if he wants to get back together with you or not, and so how is he going to decide that unless he, the two of you are actually able to connect with one another and spend time with one another? So, I mean, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with being friends as you rediscover who you are. Uh, because otherwise you're putting too much pressure on somebody who isn't emotionally ready to make that decision like we just talked about a moment ago. You continue on by saying, now he's meeting new friends um, a lot and he drinks a lot. He just found one hour to meet me for a walk and a second time for coffee. When I asked him, what does he feel for me? He said he isn't sure. He still loves me and that he used to love me much more, but not as much as I did not as much as, I I'm guessing, not as much as I loved him, um, and that I deserve somebody who would do anything for me. What can I do to make him commit? Number one, you have to pull back the expectation from being in a relationship right now. Just focus on connecting. Don't worry about defining the interaction. Don't worry about defining your relationship right now and just have interactions with one another that bring the two of you closer together. And I think that's, that's what it's gonna take to get you um, through this. You go on and continue by saying, I understand that we were fighting a lot and we started to feel that it's not the same, but I've changed and he isn't willing to meet me um, a couple of times and see what happens. It was eight, it was an eight year long relationship. Okay, so in, you know, in addition to everything that we've talked about, you also have to demonstrate that he's not walking back into the same relationship that he walked out of in the first place. So you need to say, okay, what was causing us to do this arguing in the past? What was causing this to happen? And then you also need to do what you need to do to work through those issues and really demonstrate to him that whatever was causing you to argue, um, whether that was insecurity, fear, anxiety, you know, just maybe being kind of a little bit fixed in how you think about things or whatever, um, that that maybe isn't an issue. And as he really starts to see this and as he starts to really put trust, this is just kind of the new dynamic that things are, that's going to help him to let go of that and um, really move forward and consider spending more time with you. But you know, you need to take the step back 
from trying to define the relationship because frankly, he's not ready to define what the relationship is right now. You need to just focus on connecting with one another without any sort of like label or outcome or agenda for the time being, kind of like when, you know, probably the two of you first were dating one another. Um, and then, you know, you need to see where that takes you. But that's, that's what I can see as first few steps. Um, Heath gave a $5 super chat. Thank you very much for that, Heath. Um, let's see, is this your first one? I think it is. Okay, you say my ex won't allow me to ask anything personal, such as even so much as how was work, but will talk to me about our child. I ask anything outside of that and she just stays silent. How can I work with it? Okay, so if she's just silent, that tells me that you're probably trying to have these conversations over text, which means um, that you probably want to try to work a little bit higher up on the hierarchy of communication. So it sounds like you have a child together. Um, that means you're probably seeing each other. So, you know, you can make conversation in person that way. Um, if this is happening in person and she's just not responding to you, she's stonewalling you. Um, yeah, you say it's on the phone. Okay. So um, if she's just stonewalling you, then what you can do is, you know, you can say, hey, it sounds like you're a little bit uncomfortable talking to me about something like that. Is there something going on that I should know about or whatever? You can take curiosity in her stance and you can start to help her to feel a little bit more comfortable opening up. Or another thing that you can do is you can answer the question as if it had been asked to you. So for example, if you ask her about work or if you ask her like, hey, you know, anything interesting that you have planned for the new year or whatever, and she doesn't respond, you can also demonstrate to her that you're invested in the conversation by answering the question as if it had been asked to you. So you can say, well, you know, for me, I've got these other things planned or, you know, my day at work was like, okay, this thing happened or whatever. And so that's definitely something that you can do because oftentimes people don't want to come across as over-invested in a conversation. So when somebody asks something like, hey, how are you doing? Um, oftentimes we'll just respond with, oh, I'm good, thanks, or something like that because, you know, we don't want to say, you know, if you just say, oh, hey, how are you doing? We don't want to just come back and say, oh, I'm having such a terrible day. My life is falling apart. This thing happened. I was stuck in traffic, all of this. Like nobody wants to do that. And the other person just says, oh, well, you know, I was just being polite or oh, that's a lot that you told me right there. Nobody wants to be kind of left hanging like that. So um, especially when it comes to these generic sorts of questions like, hey, how are you doing? How is work? Things like that. Um, it can really be helpful if you demonstrate that you are committed to the interaction because it's going to help them to feel a lot more comfortable opening up and sharing where they're at as well too, okay? So hope that helps you out there, Heath. Uh, with that being said, guys, we are like way, way over the usual time for this. Uh, thank you so much for all the super chats, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, please hit that thumbs up button. It helps out the channel. Subscribe to the channel if you're not already. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Take care, happy new year. And don't worry, we'll get through this whole Valentine's thing together.